Hello and welcome back to the Press and Sports podcast. I'm your host, Jack Goodwin, and we are back now with a Premier League preview show. So we've ran through the League Two, League One and the EFL Championship, and we've uh, looked at all the teams in those leagues. And me and Lewis Walsh have given you uh, our predictions on where each team will finish. But now we're with the big boys. We're in the Premier League. We've got the top 20 and we're also with the big pundits. So, first of all, we've got Oliver Portlock. Ollie, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, Jack. How are you? I'm doing all right. Thank you. And we're also joined by Karan Tejwani. How are you, Karan? I'm doing well. How are you guys? I'm all right. Thanks, Karan. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, the book that you have uh, published? It is, I, I believe it's two, it comes out in two months, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, two months from yesterday, uh, which, is, which is the 9th of November. Um, it's called Wings of Change, and it's about the Red Bull influence in football. So looking at their uh, involvement across various clubs around the world, which is RB Leipzig, Red Bull Salzburg, Red, New York Red Bulls and uh, Red Bull Bracantino. Uh, it covers the four clubs, the people behind it and the main, uh, why they do what they do and why they so hate it as well. So it's a lot of stories and coming out in two months. Yeah. Yeah, it's surely going to be an intriguing read. So make sure that you get your hands on a copy of one of those. Um, so... We're here to talk about the 20 teams in the Premier League. And we're going to start off with uh, some of the new boys. So, first of all, we've got Leeds United, um, Karan and Oli, who haven't been in the Premier League for such a long time. They've had to go all the way down to the third division and play the likes of Carlisle and Oldham and Berry, But now they're back in the Premier League and their local derbies now are your Man United, your Liverpool, your Man City. And uh, Leeds United will definitely be relishing the chance to be back in the Premier League. Uh, Karan, I know you're a big fan and a big, big admirer of the manager, Marcelo Bielsa. How, how do we think Leeds United are going to do in the Premier League this year? I think they do very well. Uh, obviously, when I say very well, I'm not expecting a top eight or top six push, but I think very well for them would be uh, somewhere in mid-table, maybe around between 10th to 13th or 14th. I think that'd be a very good return. Uh I feel that the main objective for them will be to stay in the league and you know target that 10 to 14th uh, place, firstly in terms of finances and secondly to build a brand. Uh, I, I think there was an interview a couple of days back with the owner, Andrea Radvizziani, uh, and he said that they were targeting a push for the top six within the next five years. So I think that in the first season since their return, in the first season in 16 years, I think that staying around the 10th place or uh, upper or mid-table place will be a very good return for them. And I think that they can do it. They have the squad. They've invested quite heavily and more players will come in for sure between now and the end of the window. So even Marcelo Bielsa came up today and said that he's staying on. So there's no fears about him, you know, dropping out before the start of the season or just dropping a bomb in the club. But they've done a very good job over the last two years and they deserve to be here. And I look forward to seeing how they do. Yeah, and, and Oli, like Karan mentioned, they have been quite busy in the transfer market. So the likes of Helder Costa and Meslier have made the deals permanent. Jack Harrison's returned for another loan deal. And uh, they've just brought in Robin Koch, a centre-half uh, from the Bundesliga, playing formerly of uh, Freiburg. And they've also brought in Rodrigo for a uh, record deal from Valencia. And I'm, I'm sure they're not finished yet, but what do you make of their transfer business so far? 
Yeah, I mean, I'd like to think it's quite shrewd. I know they don't want to be compared to Fulham of two years ago, spending a hundred mil, and uh, they don't. They're not gone down the route that Wolves took, which was a, an immediate European uh, push sort of thing with the signings they made when they first went up. And you know, I, I think they want to go their own way in terms of these signings. I think they've been carefully studied by the uh, recruitment department, and you know, once they sort of knew that Ben White wasn't going to return to the club they, they had alternatives lined up which was good you know it shows good organization good preparation um and and I, by all accounts from what i've read uh, this robin cock from freiburg seems to be um a, a, a valid replacement you know he's he's, he's had a cap at germany uh, international level um i look forward to seeing him uh, rodrigo it's astonishing to think that they got him for a million pounds less than ollie watkins um, considering he was on his way to Barcelona not so long ago, um, and I, I think I think he'll turn out to be a, a very decent signing. I'm not sure he'll 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 score more. Well, I don't think he'll be a 15 to 20 goal season striker, but I still think he'll get a decent amount of goals. And um, my only um, my only reservation is that too much. Pressure will be on his or weight will be on his shoulders in terms of attacking um, capabilities. With with the um, Bamford, I, I don't really rate him at, at the top level. Um, as Karan said, I expect more signings to come in. Um, I think they were on the verge of signing, or they have signed uh, Somerville from Pioneer and being linked with Rodrigo de Paul from Udinese. So you know the, there are signings to come still, but. Um, We'll just have to see how they get on. But I think I like the measured approach that they're taking to promotion. You know, it's been a long time and they're not looking to get ahead of themselves, which I do like. Yeah, well, I find it really interesting the way you spoke about um, Patrick Bamford and how you're not his biggest fan and how you think Rodrigo's going to have a lot of pressure on his shoulders. But I think previously Bielsa's brought in good strikers, Jean-Kevin Augustine came in and Eddie Neketeer came in from Arsenal last year and none of them really started over Bamford uh, because of I think Bielsa loves the sort of uh, link-up play that Bamford brings to Leeds United's team and despite him scoring and being their top goalscorer last year in all competitions with 16 goals, those 16 goals did come from a total of expected goals of 35. Yes, 35, which is... Uh, a real big issue for Leeds. But, Karan, do you think Rodrigo's going to come in and just walk in into the squad? Or do you reckon Bielsa's going to stick to his principles and uh, make him uh, earn his opportunity and, and keep Bamford? I think he's going to go straight into the squad. I think that when you sign a player for uh, nearly £30 million, and the fee will go upwards to £30 million if you include the add-ons, I think that he will play straight in the squad. But I feel that Bielsa will find a way to accommodate the both of them. Uh you know, as, he, as Oliver mentioned, that he is a massive fan of Bamford. I think that Bamford will stay uh, as long as he doesn't really have a massive drop in form. I think that both Rodrigo and him will play together, but Rodrigo will have a much more deeper role. Um, it, it's been known from the last season or so that Rodrigo isn't exactly the best finisher, uh, but one of the things he does provide is that is the energy, which is what Bielsa needs, and his versatility, which is a very welcomed aspect for any Premier League team. So I feel that Rodrigo will have a deeper role, perhaps behind Bamford in the attack, and they both will play together. Uh, we saw in the international break as well when Rodrigo went off for Spain, 
international duty with Spain uh, that uh, he struggled to really get in the areas and find himself a goal or two. And um, I think that that's going to be a factor playing on Bielsa's mind. And as I said earlier, they will play together, but perhaps Rodrigo will be a little behind Bamford and they'll find a way. Yeah, and, and another worry that's coming out of uh, Elland Road amongst the fans is that uh, Marcelo Bielsa already despaired the press coverage of in the championship and the top flight's media and sponsor requirements uh, are a potential Bielsa minefield, I think it's fair to say, Ollie. Um, Bielsa hasn't also coached a full compa- campaign of top flight football since Marseille in 2014-15. Um, he might be loved in Leeds, um, but do you think Bielsa, who historically has not spent longer all the clubs that he's been at, not too long, shall I say, um, and obviously it's taken him a long time to sign his contract, do you think Bielsa's there for the long term or do you think Leeds United need to be to be wary? Um, I mean, I think because of his past, it'll always be in the back of the, the mind of the, the big wigs at Leeds. But, I mean... For me, if you know your club that's just been promoted, um, you know he, he he sort of defied odds by staying longer, and he's he's no nearly man. Yeah, he's got a, he's got them up. Um, I think it'd be daft to plan a future, a short to medium term future at least uh, with, with Alton. You've got to see him as the um, the main man in the frame because. Um, he, he's a sort of coach he's a bit like Ancelotti at Everton to me he, he pulls in better players than the club would otherwise get under a different manager for me uh, it's because people want to work players want to work under Bielsa because of the type of coach he is um, now I, I don't think it will be so knee-jerk uh, as in, in the past under former owners where if they're on a bad run of form he will get the pot uh, the sack sorry Um but I, I don't know. I think I, I'd like to think because um, I, I believe they'll stay up. I like, I'd like to think um, that they're planning for a future with him. Um, although I wouldn't blame him if it is in the back of their minds. Yeah, and let's move on to uh, a club that have had a real expensive summer. Now, obviously, last year it was quite a quiet one because they had the transfer ban looming over them. But this summer. I think it's fair to say they've gone all guns blazing. And that is uh, Stamford Bridge's side, uh, Chelsea Curran, who have uh, brought in a lot of players uh, all across the world, mainly uh, a couple of players coming in from Bundesliga. Um, I know you're a big fan of, of the Bundesliga, Curran. I watch a lot of it. Um, do you think Chelsea have made the right signings? Uh, they've certainly made good ones, uh, but the, the players they've brought in certainly have a lot of potential to... Uh, create a new era for Chelsea. Uh, obviously, I feel like this is the third uh, major summer where Abramovich feels a, there's a new cycle incoming. The first was obviously when he signed on and brought in Drogba and Mourinho and uh, Cavalli and a lot of players. The second was in 2012 uh, when Hazard and Mata, they came in separate summers, but that period between 2011 and 2013 when they're signing Hazard and Oscar and Mata and all that. Uh, but this is definitely a new cycle for them. They feel that they can give uh, equal opportunity to the coach and the academy. Uh, and certainly when you mentioned the Bundesliga, which is a league that is known for producing players that are so, uh, that have so much potential in them, it's definitely, they're definitely taking the right step by targeting the league. So, and they signed two of the best players in the Bundesliga from last season. Uh, Werner is undoubtedly Germany's best forward. Uh, Havertz is probably the brightest German footballer of this era. He's just 21, uh, Vanners is 24, so there's definitely a good seven, eight years left in them, provided they stay at Chelsea. 
the big question is how they use uh, both those players. And I'm uh, I'm not I'm particularly doubtful of how Werner is going to be used. Obviously, I watched Werner a lot last season, and uh, the main the striking aspect from his style of play is that he likes to drift out and uh, help in the build up while also getting involved in the goals. Uh, but but the main thing is that as long as he was at Leipzig for the last four years, he was playing the two forward system, and the second forward was either Patrick Schick in the last season or Yusuf Poulsen uh, before that. But uh, at Chelsea this past season, Lampard's never played with two forwards, and that's where the cause for concern comes in. And um, I feel that Havertz would be a good complement to Werner. Uh, I feel that Lampard will try to accommodate uh, Havertz's intelligence off the ball uh, as a, a proper complement to Timo Werner. I feel that Van, uh, Havertz will be right behind Werner. And, um, you know, Havertz is obviously known for making late runs into the box. His intelligence on and off the ball is, is particularly impressive. So I feel that uh, if he can accommodate those two together, they will make a very good partnership. Uh, obviously, they have other options in Tammy Abraham and, you know, using Siach more often on the inside. But it'll be interesting to see how they do. But they certainly made good signings for, you know, the next three, four years, regardless of whether Lampard's manager or not. Yeah, and Karan, I think it's fair to say they've got a, a plethora of talent there already. I mean, we've not spoken about, we haven't spoken high, um, much about Hakim Ziyech. I mean, you've still got Christian Pulisic there, Tammy Abraham, Olivier Giroud is still a, a very good centre-forward uh, for any team in the world. I mean, you've got Mason Mount that can play just behind them. Uh, so, do you think having the amount of talent that they have got, because they've got such squad depth now, Chelsea, do you think it could come back to bite them, that they might be tinkering too much with I don't the think squad? that's too much of a problem, especially now that uh, obviously they're playing in the Champions League and given the money that they've spent... Uh, they expect to go far in the Champions League, and that wasn't the case last year. You know, last year the mere fact that they were in the Champions League was uh, a pretty big thing to deal with, and they got as far as they could. And obviously, facing Bayern Munich, they didn't expect to win. But now, given that they spent over two hundred million pounds, they expect at least a quarter-final run. So um, they will have around over fifty games a season, possibly even if they go far in the cups, it could be up to sixty. So uh, there will be time for all the players to uh, play. Uh, you know, the likes of Mount and Abraham and the Academy that have gotten time last season, they certainly will get their chances in the cup. Uh, and uh, it's a long season for sure. And, you know, given that clubs like City and Liverpool have big squads, City obviously they have once in a while they can put players like Mahrez and Bernardo Silva on the bench together, or even David Silva last season. So Chelsea obviously feel they need to, to, in order to close that gap between themselves and Liverpool and City, they need a squad that big. And it's it's a really long season and the games come really quickly, especially in the first two, three months when they have the international breaks going on and uh, the Capital One Cup and the League, uh, the Carabao Cup, sorry, uh, the Carabao Cup, the international breaks and all that. So it gets long and tiring and they definitely need a squad that big. And I do feel that players will be used from time to time. And obviously every squad is going to have one or two disappointed players, but it's it's not as big as a problem as many think. Yeah, and Oliver, I mean, there's a there's a big emphasis now on Frank Lampard to make the most of these players. I think um, Roman Abramovich hasn't backed Chelsea this much for, for quite a while now. Um, I think it's fair to say uh, they are bringing in some top, top players and they're looking like they've got a squad that it could be capable of challenging Liverpool and Man City over the next couple of years. 
Do you think from what you've seen in Frank Lampard's two years, obviously you're a big fan of the Championship from his year at Derby and his first year in the Premier League with Chelsea, do you think Lampard has got it in him to 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 get the most out of this squad? It's a good question, to be fair. I mean, I think he'll certainly, I think we've seen it with the youngsters that he's, he's blooded in last season and now um, the, the big boys that have been signed. I think he'll command respect from the dressing room for, from his time as a player himself. And usually that can go either way, but um, with, with, with the biggest players. Um, but I think he's, he, I, I do genuinely believe he's, he's a decent coach as well. And I think he, he looks to play football um, the right way, so to speak. And I think that's why, I mean, he's obviously sat down with these new signings and um, he's, he's had positive com- com- positive conversations with them. I mean, Havertz can play in a multitude of positions, which I think aids them because um, I think he will be called on to play in a number of those positions because of the nature of this season in particular. Um, I, I, I think it'll be interesting to see whether Thiago Silva will... I don't know, shore up that defence because I, I think some games when I watched Chelsea last season, I thought, you know, uh, Rudiger, he's had a great game um, or, or even Tamori earlier on. Um, I thought defence looks OK. And then and then other games I've looked at it and I thought, crikey, they've got some of the same problems that Arsenal have. Um, but I, I don't know. I think this season will be a different a different sort of season because of the volume of games they're going to have to play in such a short period of time. Um, But there'll certainly be extra pressure upon his and the club's shoulders as a whole from the media and from the fans to perform on more than uh, one or two fronts. I think, I think, like Karan said, um, they'll they'll be expecting a decent Champions League push, but also um, to, to, to make more strides towards the uh, top of the table. Me personally, I don't think they're going to be winning the league this season, but I think they'll make it much more interesting at the top. And I think they're better equipped than the likes of Manchester United, Arsenal and Tottenham. And Chelsea uh, last year, on average, you, the, the, the formation they used the most was 4-3-3 or any variation of that. A four at the back rather than a five at the back. They did sometimes use, uh, towards the end of the season especially, Use that sort of Antonio Conte formation that uh, they used two or three years ago with a five at the back. But if, assuming they the stick with the the four at the back, um, obviously they've got good options now at centre half. Got Rudiger, Zuma, Christensen, Tomori, uh, who looks like he might be off. Thiago Silva and Clark Salter and Miyazaga, who are, are coming from impressive loans in the Championship, and we've seen that Lampard's not scared to to use players that have uh, come from the Championship. Uh, Ollie, who do you think? the two main centre-halves for Chelsea this year will be? God, that's an interesting one. I, I, I personally, the two that come to mind would be Thiago Silva um, and probably Rudiger. But being at 36, I think they're going to try and pres- preserve Silva as best they can without wanting him to get injured. So I, I think I think Rudiger would be in pretty decent uh, company next to Silva but I think it won't always be the case it could be a fair bit of chopping and changing um, but yeah I'd say Silva I mean you've got Azpilicueta as well and you, you know you just he plays in a four at the back I'd, I'd, I'd sort of say he'd be playing right back but 
like you say, um, if they do switch to a three, then uh, perhaps he could come in alongside uh, the other two that I've mentioned. But yeah, I'd probably say Silver and Rudiger. And and there's a million quid question um, among all football fans at the moment, uh, or over the the past five, ten, fifteen years, that time and again, time and again in recent seasons, Everton have had convincing and dominant performances one week, which have been followed by meek and toothless displays. Um, however, for me, it really feels like it's it's now or never for Everton Karan. Uh, it feels like this is the time to deliver. With Carlo Ancelotti, one of the most decorated managers in football history, if he can't get a tune out of this expensively assembled uh, mishmash of players, who else possibly could? So, do, do you feel like Karan that this year for Everton is a, a case of now or never? Uh, personally, I don't think so. I still think they need maybe a season. Uh, maybe next season you could say the same thing. Uh, this year has obviously been a little more uh, odd, uh, but they de- they definitely invested well over the last six or seven months, or maybe ten months with Ancelotti coming in. Uh, the, the midfield looks strong. The attack is fairly young with Richarlison and uh, Dominic Cabot Lewin. Uh, the defense is not entirely convincing, but it's it, it seems all right. And even Jordan Pickford at the back, but um, I don't I don't feel that they will break into the top six, which is ideally would be their aim. I don't think that they're capable enough to break into the top six. I still feel the top six, based on quality, is still better than them. Uh, I, I do feel that they will make a stronger push for this season than they have in recent years, but uh, it's, it, it seems a little too far away. Perhaps next season, when they have a more complete squad, when Ancelotti uh, hasn't been given that much of a restriction, uh, when there's more uh, to spend, obviously, next year with, without the COVID restriction... I do feel that maybe you could say the same thing next year rather than this season. They definitely made some progress over the last few months, especially after Ancelotti came and the transfer window has been good. Uh, but I do, I still do feel they need one more year before we can finally say, yeah, this team needs a trophy finally, or maybe perhaps break into the top six. Would you concur with that? Yeah, I'd have to agree with Karan. It's a fair assessment. I think the problem with Everton is they suffer from the past silly spending. I mean, especially the the wages. Uh, uh, one of my good friends uh, has been an Everton season ticket holder since he can remember. And he says that they've got the likes of Sandro Ramirez and, and Cenk Tosin on £180,000 a week. And if you're spending that much on those sorts of players, then it is going to come back to bite you. Um, and I think after the signing the three midfielders that they have, fantastic signings, I do think they will definitely improve them. Um, I, I, it's, it's, it's weird because I still think there are gaps in the team. Uh, Mason Holgate out injured at the minute. You know They're hoping to bring Tamori in, but Frank Lampard said he's, been in, he's in contention for Brighton, so whether he'll come in, you don't know, but they will have other targets. Um, a lot of the fans want another right-back. Um, I know they've been in talks with uh, Santiago Arias on loan, um, which, you know, it's it's probably just as good as, if not better than they've, they've got at the minute at right back. But um, it's it's an interesting one with Everton. I think um, the, the, the fans are so passionate uh, and, you know, they, they bleed uh, blue blood. But um, I, I don't know. I, I too tend to agree with uh, Karana. I think you've got to give it at least a season. Um, especially with this sort of COVID season ahead uh, that I'm sort of labelling it. 
Okay, we, we've mentioned so many signings, um, and I think it's it's important to emphasise that obviously the transfer window is not shutting yet. It'll be shutting on the fifth of October, and even with the week uh, the season about to start, you've still got three weeks after it uh, for all the uh, for all the teams to make sure that they can bring in the necessary signings that they need to make. But I'm going to ask the uh, million dollar question. Okay, Grant, coming to you first. Out of all the signings that you've seen from the 20 teams so far, who do you think is going to be the signing of the season? Oh, that's a difficult one, isn't it? There's a lot of signings. Mm. Um, it's hard. <laughs> um, I, let, let's break it down. Let's, let's go with the top six first, because I don't want to go and generalise with the whole league. Uh, but from the top six, which is uh, the two matches to clubs, uh, the two not London clubs, Chelsea and um, Liverpool. I think it would probably be Kai Havertz. Mm. But it's difficult to say because he's still so young and he's moving into a new country. But I'm, I'm going to go on a limp and say Kai Havertz. Okay, Kai Havertz from Koran. Uh, Oli, is there anyone that sticks out? Um, to be honest with you, I do think Havertz has got that sort of talismanic. Um, or about him for Chelsea, but um, I'll go with someone different. I think Hammers Rodriguez uh, working with Ancelotti again. I think Ancelotti will get the best out of him. I think he'll become a very good signing simply because, I mean, uh, there's, there seems to be conflicting reports over the fee. I've read somewhere that uh, it was a free transfer. And I've read other places it was around twenty million, but but it, whether it's twenty million or, or nothing, I still think it'll turn out to be a very good signing for them. I think the one signing that stands out to me, um, and I, I mean, James Rodriguez is a fantastic signing, especially on a, a free transfer as it is being reported. Um, but for me, it's Tottenham Hotspur signing of uh, fifteen million for Pierre Emil Hoiberg. Uh, it was part of that Kyle Walker-Peters deal. Um, he might not come up with all the goals or the assists, and he's probably not one of the players to put in the fantasy football team. Mm. But I feel like the shape of the midfield department for Tottenham has been all wrong since Moussa Dembele's long goodbye, uh, however long ago mm. it was. Um, and I feel like Jose Mourinho is a manager that I, I really like um, and I've read a lot about. And he always likes to have that sort of... Um, you can call it number six, number four sort of role that just sits in front of the defence and does that sort of screening, uh, the screening type that begin, that the, that allows the team to attack with so much confidence because they know they've got that that screening player behind them. I mean, the, I, I was speaking to you, Ollie, mm. about it uh, only a couple of weeks ago. About, is it Claude Makayela? Makayela, yeah. That's how you pronounce it. Um, and and that Marino got the best out of him and. He sort of had Nemanja Matic in that type in his second stint at Chelsea and, and with Manchester United too. And I think Hoiberg is, is the perfect player that will do that job for Tottenham, that will get the ball, will retain the ball and pass it on to the better players. So uh, for me, I think I'm going to go out. It's quite a bold one as well because I don't think he was outstanding at South, uh, Southampton, not Southampton. <laughs> uh, but I think, uh, I think Hoiberg is going to do a, a, a damn good job at Tottenham Hotspur. Fair play, fair play. Um, but but we will see. Um, so now, um, as we've talked through a couple of the clubs now, uh, Karan and Ollie, I'm going to come to you for your Premier League 2020-2021 predictions. So we will start off with the three bottom clubs. 
Um, so, Karan, coming to you first, who have you got to finish bottom oh, of the league? God. Okay, so plenty of people have asked me this over the last few weeks, and it's always difficult to pick because many of them have made a lot of good signings, but I think I'm going to go for bottom of the league. It'll be Fulham, even though they've made a couple of good signings. I don't want them to go down immediately, but I can't see anyone other than Fulham. Okay, uh, Ollie, who've you got? Uh, for me, I've gone with West Brom. Um, I, I, I do think Fulham are perilously uh, in danger of, of, of uh, relegation. But I think, although they've got Slavin Bilic at the helm, I just don't. I look at this squad and I just think, I, I, I just, I'm not impressed. Uh, I've heard that they're in talks with uh, Branislav Ivanovic, uh, who could be signing in the next two days, which. I- Oh, Ollie, you've just cut out there. I think he was about to say he was uh, intrigued to see how that one works out. So, uh, Ollie's gone for West Brom to finish bottom and Karan has gone for Fulham to finish bottom. So, in 19th place, Karan, have you gone for West Brom? Or have you gone for yep, something? I've gone for West Brom. Uh, as Ollie said, no, I don't feel the signings have been particularly um, eye-catching or impressive. Uh, I, I like Slavin Bird. I like West Brom as a club as well. But, um, you know, there are other teams who are probably better than them and probably will survive ahead of them. So I can't see any, anyone other than West Brom. So West Brom are not predicted to have a rosy future <laughs> um, in the Premier League. Uh, Ollie, uh, you cut out before, so uh, is, was there anything you wanted to add on West Brom? Or no, you want to go on to no really? I'm happy to continue. I've gone for Fulham uh, with a sort of... It's a bittersweet feeling because I wouldn't mind them staying up. Um, I know they've signed Ariola and Teta t- t- uh, today and yesterday. And I, don't, I don't think they're actually bad signings, to be honest. Um, but I don't know. I, I just I look at the, it's more about the other teams. I think the other teams have more about them. Um, when you look at teams like Aston Villa, even, um, I think a season in the Prem is, will hopefully make them a bit more streetwise. Um, and in in terms of how to play, um, I'd like to say form will stay up, but I just can't see it myself. They have made some cracking signings, yeah, haven't yeah. they? I mean, Ariola comes in with a lot of European experience, as as does Tete and, and Lamina. So, I mean, you're looking on paper, they are very good. Yeah, signings. yeah, no, for sure. I think the thing with Lamina is he's certainly got the ability, but it's getting him to plays. I think he, if under the right coach, he could be a superstar, but. Um, I think there's certain attitude problems or maybe influences from agents uh, that, that perhaps have thwarted his um, progress at Southampton. And, you know, at the end of the day, you've got to think about it. There's a reason why Southampton have allowed him to go out on loan, especially losing Hoiberg as well. Uh, there's, there's a reason why they've let him go out on loan to Fulham. And to me, um, I, I hope that... Scotty Parker gets the, the most out of him, but I'm just not confident uh, that he'll shine, to be honest with you. But yeah. We will see in that. Kuran, go on. What, did, you, did you have something? No, no, but I do agree. I think, they'll, I think they've, they're making better signings than they did do the last time they were up. Yeah, I remember uh, doing a, a deadline transfer day window with uh, you, Ollie, <laughs> um, for some, someone's podcast, I think. Was it Ben Carter's yeah, podcast? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
and we were talking about Fulham's, and I, I think I remember saying that I predicted them to finish top ten. So, um, we, <laughs> that's why I'm not doing the predictions. Um, <laughs> to be fair, they they, they filled us all. To be fair, yeah, but... yeah, yeah, they, they yep. definitely did. Uh, Karan, who you got finishing the last? I've gone top? for West Ham. Um, you know, for them, it sort of feels like a relegation is kind of overdue. Um, they've not been particularly impressive for the last few years, obviously chopping and changing managers all the time. The fans aren't happy with the board. The fans aren't entirely happy with the manager. And seemingly right now in the summer, uh, Mark Noble particularly isn't happy of how they've sold some of their players. Um, it's it's a bit controversial to suggest because I haven't seen too many people say it, but I don't think that West Ham will survive. They've got a few good players in there, definitely. Um, Ola and Antonio and um, Fornals, Noble, Rice, whomever. Lights might leave too, uh, but I can't see West Ham surviving. They just look like a really disjointed club at the moment. Ollie, do you, do you agree? Um, yeah, I, well, I echo his sentiments, Karan's sentiments. I think it's a club that's uh, sort of at war with itself. Um, I think because of, again... Just cut out again, uh, Ollie. He must be having some real bad oh. te- technical issues. Oh, oh hey, sorry, sorry. Uh, right, I'm here. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think because of the past transfer dealings, the that's come back to bite them again. Um, I've heard that they're looking to sell Felipe Anderson and Lanzini, and even so, they were considering paying off Jack Wilshire, which must be cost them a bomb. Um, but I, I've I've actually got them to stay up, probably by the skin of the teeth. Uh, it's well. Put me 16th, but for me, there's it's a three way battle that last uh, relegation spot. Um, I've actually gone for Burnley to go down, um, which may be controversial because of Sean Dyche and his uh, ability to defy the odds with the uh, budgets and the team he's got. Um, but I, I, similar reasons to uh well a similar reason uh, to to Karan in in that I feel like it's overdue um and I, I sort of expect Tarkowski to leave I'm not sure whether it'll be West Ham or, or Leicester whoever but I do expect him to leave either now or in January um and I don't know I I, I think with Burnley fantastic was it 10th place finish or whatever last season fantastic Every credit, you know, get all the plaudits for it deservedly. But um, I, d- I just, again, I'm looking at other clubs and just with the business in the transfer window, um, I-, I look at them and I think, crikey, for the amount of games that are coming up, um, I- I'm not sure with the squad that they've got, um, they're, they're going to stay up. I mean, I don't know. I'd, I'd, I wouldn't be opposed to them. Uh, proving me wrong because they're a northern club, but um, yeah, I don't know. Especially if they lose Tarkowski, I, I can't see him staying up. Yeah, so uh, James Tarkowski was, uh, I think it was a twenty-five million bid that came in from West Ham trying to sign the uh, English international. Um, yeah, it, it's a difficult one with Burnley. I mean, this is really the first time that Sean Dyche has shown discontent himself and. I think the question's got to be asked is, is whether the Clarets have reached their ceiling and, mm. and whether um, success is an intangible concept for Burnley. Like, how far can they go? I mean, they keep finishing mid-table and I think they had one season when they finished seventh, yeah, didn't they? Yeah. But 
they're not going to break into that top six anytime soon. It's like, it's the sort of conundrum that Stoke had under Tony. Yeah, I think the thing with Burnley, though, I mean, I think every season, to me, the, the goal is to stay up because, and that's why I think they defy the odds, um, because they don't have a particularly um, big squad and, and, and it's not strength in depth and every transfer window, you don't see many... Um, rumours or, or reports or stories from the media on anyone that Burnley's signing because quite simply they don't really make many signings um, and you know I don't be wrong they've got a good um, couple of players in there like Tarkowski and Dwight McNeil I, lo- I like the look of him um, and generally they've got a workmanlike squad um, that you know they know the style of play by now uh, they trust the manager you know even if it wasn't going well at points last season. Uh, no one panicked, which which was really good, and and, and stuck with Deitch. And, and you know, ultimately they, they finished tenth, and it was a great season in the end for them. Um, but I just fear that while other clubs like As- even Aston Villa and Newcastle are making signings, uh, Leeds, you know, the promoted clubs like you'd expect, and Burnley are sort of stagnating and almost to me regressing because. I don't know whether it's the budgets or um, the, the the financial restrictions from the board. Uh, that's just isn't able to make any real signings that can really improve the squad. Yeah, I'm sure he would love to bring in uh, the next topic point that we're going to talk about. Uh, the top goal scorer. Um, I'm sure he would uh, hope that Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes <laughs> will be up there, but uh, they certainly are not one of the favourites. Karan, who have you gone for your golden ball I've winner? gone for Mo Salah again. Um, obviously, Liverpool team, you expect them to get goals because of the way they play. And Salah, ever since he's arrived in the Premier League, he's always been right up there. Um, but it's going to be close again, like it has been for the last two or three seasons, or two seasons at least. Um, I think it's between Salah and Aubameyang. I think Salah will just nick it in the end. <laughs> That's it's quite Ollie. funny because the the name that I had in my head was the one that uh, Karan mentioned. I was thinking Aubameyang. Uh, it looks like he's going to sign this new deal with Arsenal, and everything will be uh, back to normal. And I don't know. I just think he's a he's a class actor, Aubameyang. I mean, you know, we're, we're not on FIFA, so it doesn't matter that he's thirty years old. I think he's he's. I don't know. I, I think it, without. Without him, I think Arsenal would be a great deal worse off. Um, and I can see him just pushing on and having a, another really good season, especially with uh, the re- resignation of um, Danny Ceballos. Uh, he's pulling the strings in midfield. I think that's a, a great um, resigning for, for Arteta. And then hopefully a bit more um, defensive stability with the, the two um well, with Saliba coming back from his loan and, and uh, Gabriel coming, I'm, I'm hoping it'll be more defensive stability for him because I think I've got them to finish above uh, Spurs. So, um, I, yeah, I think Aubameyang, well, like, like Karen said, Aubameyang and Salah have got to be in contention. So the two bookmakers' favourites, Mohamed Salah and Aubameyang, uh, are predicted by Ollie and Karan. Uh, right, so going to our top four predictions now. Um, Karan, who have you got? I've got City being champions. Uh, Liverpool right behind them, although not very far like last season. 
which was City, which is Liverpool and City, but City champions, Liverpool right behind them. I feel like Liverpool, um, I think the lack of transfers is going to eventually come back to bite them. Um, mm. it, being a team that has won the Champions League last season, or well, in 20, 2019, and then winning the league last season, it's a massive thing. I just feel that they need those fresh faces just to keep themselves motivated. And I think that it doesn't seem likely that Thiago is going to move. Um, but if he does, it's a different thing. But they, they needed a few fresh uh, a few fresh faces and um, that lack of push from their teammates is going to eventually come back to bite them. But I don't think that they'll be too far away. Obviously, Guardiola and Man City have invested pretty well in their team. Uh, I still think that Koulibaly is going to sign by the end of the window or at least one more sign and a half, whoever that is. And they will be much stronger next season than they were last season. Um it's it's a big challenge definitely to beat Liverpool, especially when the Liverpool team was that good. Um, you know, Klopp's won the league twice in succession in the past with Brazil Dortmund. He has proven he can do it, and he's probably the best man manager in the world. Um, so there's obviously no writing them off, but in the end, I've gone for City champions, Liverpool right behind them, and then a pretty significant gap, although not as big as last season. There's a pretty significant gap, and then Chelsea, and then United and fourth. So, uh, you've got the similar, well, the exact same top four, just yep. in different order this season. Uh, Ollie, do you agree? With what <laughs> it's quite with? funny. I think me and Karan must be on the same wavelength because I've gone for the exact top four. Um, I, I, I agree. I think Kulu Bali will, will come in uh, for City. I think he'll be provide a, a big improvement for them defensively. Um Obviously, there's a there's a gap left with David Silva going, you know, to Sociedad, um, but that only provides more opportunities for the likes of Foden and Silva and um, whoever else can seize on the opportunities they get. And I think um, it, it does. It, I don't know. It does feel a bit like Liverpool sort of need someone like Thiago to, to come in and sort of almost provide a, a kick up the backside for the, the current crop of midfielders because, OK, um, they've got a fantastic team spirit there um, and obviously they're fresh off the back of winning a league title. But in, with that comes complacency among the squad and I think, um, in particular midfield, I think it could benefit from a, a little added competition. I don't think Naby Keita did... Um, well, provided much competition until maybe project restart. Um, he, he looked better, but um, I think some genuine quality. Uh, just I don't know. Give give the midfielders that extra um, bit of encouragement to you know just remind them. Okay, we've we if you don't perform, you have got genuine quality uh, to come in or or someone. Uh, I, I don't know. I just think the midfield is very uh, important to. to to Liverpool because um, they've sort of they're very workmanlike midfield and I, I don't know I think without that Thiago signing I think that could be the difference between them winning and losing a, a title um, but yeah I've gone for City to win it uh, Liverpool to be not so far behind Chelsea um, yeah a, a bit of a gap but probably not as much of a gap as there was last season I think they'll push on and be quite comfortable in third. And then Manchester United, because 
Yeah, I think I think they've they've got a, a half decent team. You know, I think I, I'm in, I'm intrigued to see how the signing of Donny Van der Beek pans out because I, I don't know. I think he can play as sort of a, a playmaker, but he can also be a box to box midfielder. And it'll be interesting to see how he sort of fits them all in. You know, the superstars Pogba and Bruno and. And then you've got Van der Beek in. Um, but yeah, I, I still I can't see him breaking um, the top two for certain. I can't see him getting ahead of Chelsea either. So I've gone for them as fourth. So that is the Premier League preview predictions on the Preston Sports Podcast from Karan Tejwani and Oliver Portlock. So Karan Tejwani, just to recap, has gone for his three relegated teams to be West Brom, Fulham and West Ham United with his top goal scorer being Mohamed Salah. His top four is going to be fourth Manchester United, third Chelsea, second Liverpool and the champions to be Pep Guardiola's Manchester City. Whilst Oliver Portlock went with West Brom, Fulham and Burnley to get relegated with Aubameyang being the golden boot winner and the top four to be the same as Karen. So fourth Manchester United, third Chelsea, second Liverpool and top of the league Man City. So just before you both go, I just want to ask um, the chasing pack. Obviously, you've kept the same top four as last year, Karan and Oliver, but you've still got the likes of Arsenal, Tottenham, Everton, Wolves and Leicester, who I'm sure will uh, all feel like they've got decent opportunities of going into the top four. Who do you think is best equipped out of that chasing pack, or anyone else that you want to add in, Ralph Hayes and Hutu Southampton, who do you think is the best equipped to uh, break that sort of top four? I think Arsenal are in a good place. Um, both of them, but Spurs and, it's between Spurs and Arsenal for me, but I feel that neither will make it. Um, Arsenal seem to be in a good place because of that fewer number of Europa League games you have at the start of the season. Um, obviously, Spurs have to play the two qualifiers, and they have two away games, and if they win those two, or if they win the first one, they qualify for the second. And it's the same for the League Cup as well. So in the start of the season, which starts on Friday, Friday is it tomorrow? Um, Friday, Saturday, whenever. Uh, between the start of the season and the first international break, they have about seven games in about 20 days. Um, so that's obviously going to be a bit exhausting for them. And then obviously when the Europa League starts, there's a whole different mess altogether. So it's a long season. Uh, and I feel that Mourinho will be prioritising the Europa League more by the middle of the campaign, if Spurs are um, slacking behind in the league, he did that before with United when in, in his first season of the club, where he, where he almost prioritised the Europa League over finishing the top four, and he eventually got there. He won the trophy and he ended up qualifying for the Champions League. So it's a good opportunity for them. And Mourinho, obviously being the serial winner kind of person, he needs to deliver a trophy with the Spurs squad. That's where he's been uh, employed on a pretty, pretty big, pretty. A lucrative contract. So I think that Arsenal will feel they can take advantage of this and try to push for it. Obviously, they'll be challenging for the Europa League as well, but I feel Spurs are better equipped for that competition. And that would mean Arsenal end up finishing in fifth ahead of Spurs in sixth, who should go far in the Europa League. Yeah, I, I think I've, I've actually got that, that to say. I think Arsenal um, look a better prospect this season um i i just uh, arteta excites me um i think i think i don't know spurs i have predicted them to finish sixth but i mean it's a grueling 
uh, fixture schedule for them. And if anyone else was to take advantage, I feel like Wolves would be the ones. I think it very obviously they've called on the Portuguese contingent time and time and again. They've only added to that as well um, with uh, Fabio Silva coming in and uh, Vitinha. Um, uh, you know, to, to us could be relatively unknown quantities, although Fabio Silva comes with a price tag and uh, a reputation in Portugal for being a very bright young prospect. Um, but, you know, it's, it's it's one of those, I don't think, Wolves don't have uh, Europa League, I don't think. Um, and I think that could aid them. Uh, I'm interested to see who they um, get in uh, additional, uh, additionally from now on. Uh, I've seen links with Alex Tellers, which should be mental. Um, but you know, I, I'd like to think they get a right, right uh, wing back in, or, or you know, someone to replace uh, Doherty uh, or Doherty. Sorry. Um, so yeah, I, I think they've got the the dynamism uh, in the attack um, and a short, a steady defence uh, out of anyone else to sort of, um, I don't know. I, pile on a sort of siege uh, on, on, on the top six or top four um, if it was a surprise package. But yeah, I'm, I'm just looking forward to the start of uh, the Premier game, to be honest with you. Get some regular football going. Yeah, I'm sure we all are looking forward to seeing the return of uh, the domestic league in England as uh, we have experienced only a 33-day short summer break, uh, especially for the Premier League and the Championship. It's been a much longer one for those that lower down the echelons. But uh, we are ready for the Premier League to return, and it will be returning on Saturday with its first game of the season, Fulham hosting Arsenal, which will be live on BT Sport from 12.30pm. Uh, I would like to thank Karan Tejwani and Oliver for joining us today. Yeah, Karan, it's thank time you. on. Good to be on and you know, talk about a pretty fun league. Yeah, it certainly is. And uh, Oli, thanks for thanks Yeah, for cheers, on. Jack. I, I, I'm looking forward to it. more and more transfers by the day to keep up with. It's, uh, it's going to be interesting. It certainly is. Okay, this has been the Pressing Sports Podcast. I hope you have a safe and uh, enjoyable week.